Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of July 14th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff for a weekly discussion on all the news, results, and notable topics in dirt late model racing. We're in the middle of the summer, which is usually an insanely busy time of the year for racing, but thanks to a few rainouts and perhaps a bit of a lull with the post-4th of July scheduling, we're actually coming off of a fairly light weekend of racing, which is probably a good thing because things are about to pick up in earnest over the next few weeks with a lot of big races coming up. And, uh, of course, Summer Nationals continuing, the Southern Nationals kicking off, and uh, just a lot going on. So uh, here to help me break it all down this week and uh, discuss all the big happenings, uh, we have uh, DirtOnDirt.com Managing Editor Todd Turner. Todd, did you kind of get a chance to catch your breath at all over the past weekend? Um, yeah, you know, at this point in year, you don't mind a, a rain out or two, although uh, still plenty busy. There you go. And someone who's maybe not getting a whole lot of time to catch his breath is our senior writer, Kevin Kovac, who <laughs> is coming off a, a week covering the Summer Nationals and going right into covering the opening weekend of the Southern Nationals. Uh, Kevin, are you excited for a, a little change of pace there, switching between the two tours? Yeah, I guess it's the first time. This will be my first Southern Nationals races ever, and a couple of tracks, the high bank tracks there, Beckley, uh, we talked about last week a little bit, and um, and also with uh, which I I've, I've passed with several times going to other places and never seen the track, so I'm looking forward to that one on Saturday. Perhaps our weekend editor Robert Holman, who is no stranger to the tracks down here in the South and the Southern National Series, can give you some tips on covering. Uh, those couple of races. Uh, Robert, you got any any tips for Kevin as he heads down to the south? Stay hydrated, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's, usually, it's usually hot and muggy and sticky down here. Uh, you know, just find, find Ray Cook. You know, he's in charge of that tour, and, and he will uh, point you in, in the right direction, and, and he's really insanely helpful. He's usually very appreciative that we're there, and, and that makes us usually feel good. So, track down Ray Cook and, and go from there. There you Sounds go. Good. Sure Ray, Ray will be uh, <laughs> glad to have the great Kevin Kovac covering his tour uh, <laughs> for a couple of races there. Uh, get to break him in. But before we let you uh, get away from the Summer Nationals too too soon, and uh, we're going to uh, kind of step back and talk about that a little bit because you were on the tour there uh, this past week uh, for the races that we did get to have. So kind of give us a uh, kind of a check-in and update on the, uh, the happenings uh, from the tour or what was some of the notable – uh, events because there's some pretty notable occurrences on the the series this week I believe. Yeah, it was uh, of course rain was also in the picture again. I mean, there was another uh, another two rainouts. I didn't get to go to Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt, uh, which is the one kind of was really looking forward to. It never that was only a track of this whole week uh, that I had never been to, uh, and but thunderstorms knocked that one out. And Highland also, and and of course also uh, as as we're talking on uh, Tuesday. Was already canceled for uh, for Lake Cumberland in Kentucky, so um, but but there was a I, I thought it was a it was kind of like the it was was an old school type of week of the summer nationals because it was all four straight nights in Illinois, uh, well, actually five if you also you know count the the Tuesday race I guess too I forgot about that one the Tuesday race at, at Knox so it was really a nice stretch in tri states a long time uh, uh, summer nationals track too if that would have been able to run on Sunday. So I like that. And, and Spoon River, that, that's that's the standout of the week uh, on, on Wednesday. Man, that race was uh, – I remember going there for the first time in 2014, my first uh, Summer Nationals coverage of the summer uh, of the Hell Tour with uh, Dirt on Dirt. And, and uh, like so many people are telling me, oh, this Spoon River, I don't know, it doesn't race that well. It's sort of uh, gets rubbered up a lot. Just not not, a, not the greatest race and you're going to expect them. And I saw a great race. And, and every time I've been there – 
since then the racing has been really really good i like it I like the track nice you know, it's in the bowl shape kind of you know you're sitting inside the bowl when you're in the infield with the high banks and uh guys can carry some speed in the corners uh, and that's a bobby pierce ended up winning the race with the late race pass of ryan unzicker and which uh, and, and bobby said it wasn't like there was a cushion stacked up but with that outside uh with that uh that banking there he was able to carry speed still rather if that was a flat track he Probably wouldn't have been able to make any moves. Uh, so uh, I, I, I give high marks to Spoon River. Great, great racing there. And uh, and, and another Bobby Pierce win. And, and it was the same thing the next night with uh, for Bobby Pierce at, at Bacon, uh, the Herald and Review 100. But that was just a, a unusual of occurrence for, for Macon with that. It rubbered up like probably 30, 40 laps in. And, and everybody kind of got in line, which you don't usually see there. You usually see some sort of craziness going on at the end. Uh, at Macon, so uh, <clears throat> that was uh, every, I think everybody was a little disappointed in the outcome there, and rubber up a little bit also on Friday at Farmer City late in the race, but everybody could forget about that because it was kind of historic night with uh, Shannon Babb winning that hundredth race, and uh, he did steal the win from uh, McKay Wenger. I mean that would have been nice to say see uh, see see McKay win um, that race because he's been chasing the Summer Nationals win. He hasn't run that many of them, but he's really great. He's really good. Uh, a competitor there at, at Farmer City in Fairbury, and when they come in his territory, he likes he would he would love to get a win, and he led more than half the race, but just couldn't just couldn't get it, so he had to sell for second. But I, I'm sure he he definitely uh definitely a good night for him, and I, I that was uh that was a the end of my summer nationals right there on Friday, two more days of rainouts, and didn't get to see anything else. Yeah, I know you're you're bummed about not getting to go to to Hopstock there. Um, you, you mentioned last week how much you were looking looking forward to that. Uh, before we go, move on from just kind of what the past week, what happened with the Summer Nationals, I do want to touch on one thing which uh, stood out to me. Um, and I know Todd, you were there for this, but the, the big pileup at uh, at Knox was it Knox County uh, the Fairgrounds, the big half mile there. Hear, that seemed pretty wild to me. How many cars got caught up in that and the way that played out? Had you ever seen any anything like that? Well, it's also kind of strange because of the way that track is in the infield. You couldn't see hardly anything. And even in the stands, unless you were sitting at the top, you difficult to see. And as folks who watched the video saw, you, you had kind of limited sight lines of everything. So it was kind of unclear. You know, we're just kind of, we were on the front stretch. We're kind of hearing, wait, somebody rolled over? What? Who, who's in it? You know, and when I went back there, so I ran, kind of ran back there to see what was going on. And it was, I mean, it was almost chaos, you know, because people are trying to figure it out. There's cars and drivers all over walden's car i guess it's it, it was being flipped back over when i got there but you know there was you know umpteen cars involved you know a lot of guys end up kind of avoiding it but there was six or seven cars that suffered heavy damage it was a it was a strange uh strange thing because it, it it was almost like it happened on a formula one course on a corner where no one was you know like because so few people saw it uh, so I kind of busily went to work to start interviewing everybody I could find. Uh, you know, Walden um, got the worst of it with it with getting upside down, but I kind of felt like a an accident reconstructionist trying to piece together exactly what happened. And as it turned out, it really started kind of coming out of turn two when uh, when uh, McGrath and Troutman got together. And I think they just they slowed down a little bit and they were out of shape. And it just was a chain reaction, but it lasted all the way into the entrance of turn three. And those are long straightaways there. So it was a very, I think, you know, people were coming upon the wreck 
and not being able to see it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was the, the lights aren't the greatest there. Uh, and so it just became kind of a calamity as everyone was coming in. Fager, it sounded like, it sounded like Fager kind of drove through the infield. You know, he, he got a piece of it, but kind of just drove kind of around it all. Unfortunately, was one of the ones that uh, uh, ended up finishing fifth. But, but uh, Ryan Unsicker was one. Walden, uh, the both Dean and Brandon Carpenter, they got uh, the worst of it. I guess the Carpenter stayed there the next night during the fair, worked on their car, and didn't go back to the series till the next day. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a it was a crazy wreck. One of the one of the biggest wrecks I can remember in, in summer nationals, uh, all the summer nationals I've covered. And uh, to me, the craziest thing about it is in this day of uh, you just having video of just about everything, whether it's, you know, from coverage of the event, you know, being streamed and highlights or people with just cell phones, you know, video. And I don't think there's any video of that wreck, like any clear video of it. So um, that's kind of a, a crazy situation there. And uh, even crazier, I think, if I read correctly and heard correctly, that track hosted uh, horse racing the uh, the day oh, before. <laughs> yeah, they they had a harness race the day before, and uh, no pileups in the harness race, as I understood. <laughs> but uh, but they did, uh, and I also didn't see any hoof prints on the track, which you know I would have thought that there would have been some. <laughs> oh goodness, that that would have been right up your alley, though, being you know from Kentucky and part of horse racing yeah, there. Well, did you? Did those you are come my out people. For that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry right. I missed that. I'm not I'm not covering the harness racing summer nationals this year. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, I think kind of the, the topic I want to talk about from the summer nationals or, or kind of lends itself to some discussion here uh, is, is uh, Shannon Babb's historic win, 100th uh, career summer nationals win, of course, uh, tying Billy Moyer uh, for 100th win. So they are, are both at 100 and leading the series. Uh, Kevin, just kind of describe what, how that, um, you know, for him, for Bab, there celebrating that win was it? I'm sure it was a big deal. You know, how did he react to it? Was it emotional? And, and kind of, what was your thoughts watching him get that long-awaited 100th win? Yeah, he, he's he was a he wasn't crying or anything, but he was uh, it was a, a special win. You could tell that that it meant a lot to him, and especially coming at Farmer City. Uh, I mean, that's one of his home tracks. Is it's in his backyard, one of the places he cut his teeth uh, uh, racing at. And so he had his family, he had his wife there and had his, their two daughters, young daughters were there and had his mom and dad there and had a bunch of family members and fans and friends. And, and, you know, Shannon Babb, he always, when he's at home, you don't, when they announce his name, he gets a crowd uh, reaction. You know, he's, he's a popular guy in, in central Illinois, especially. And you don't hear, you don't even hear many of the boos, even though he's won so much. He just seems like he's a really uh, people like him, you know, and he's just a likable guy too. when you talk to him in the pits and, uh, you know, all those really hard, hard nosed racer also. And, um, when he won that, you know, he said like, Hey, it's a milestone you can't take away from you, you know, and, and it's, it is a pretty big deal when uh, the only other guy who's done it is, uh, is Billy Moyer. And, and the next guy in line doesn't even have half that win, half, uh, that, those wins. I mean, not even at 50. So, there's a big, uh, big break between a big, uh, and it shows how dominant those two are, and and it's it's cool also I think because it's uh, Shannon Babbitt, people know him as the Summer Nationals, you know, I mean he's he is the Summer Nationals. You think of Shannon Babb and and that Hell Tour, all those years of him, well, you know, those years especially in the 2000s when he was like really rolling up some big big victory totals, uh, 
because uh, yeah, he had it. He had him. Uh, he was at 50 wins by 2006, and it took him another 15 years. It took him only like only took him seven years from his first win to get the first 50, and it took him uh, 15 years to get the next 50. Uh, and the last 10 was even you know, probably like five or six. So uh, it took a while to get to the to the final uh, to number, but he still got he's still got more in him too. I, I think he's going to have some more wins in him and. Uh, he was hanging out after the race. You could see people were all at his, at his trailer. They finally unfurled this 100-win banner, which they had had for a, you know a week or so, and they didn't. I mean, I, I made up a little thing there in victory lane. You know, after the race was over, I mean, you might have seen a picture of it. I I wrote number 100 on my notepad uh, paper and because it's I I just it's this little thing that like, Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain when he scored 100 points back in the 60s, he was there. Look, just real crude little sign that he held afterwards, and I had had Billy Moyer hold one when he won one at. Hunt with hundreds. That was the same sign. That was no, the same was it sign. Not, Wilt had not to say. I made it up right in victory lane there after <laughs> after the race, and uh, and then I handed it to him in, in um over at, at his trailer to say I can't, can't take a picture of you quick, and he's like, oh, when did you make? You've had this for several weeks, haven't you? That's why it's taken me so long. He said, you know, you go, you jinxed me, and I'm like, nope, I I waited until I can. Joshua can vouch for me on this because I told Joshua when he was up there. One of those, he like, hey, did. Yep. In case Bab wins, you know, maybe you can uh, make this up so we can get that picture. And, but then Bab actually took it from me afterwards, folded it up, put it in his pocket. He says, "I was just going in the scrapbook." So I get, to, I got, I got my my writing is in the scrapbook. My little my little coloring in the in the 100 numbers. So uh, it's in his scrapbook now. It's pretty cool. <laughs> did, I, did I see that was like a, a purple color or some some the very uh, uh, standout color? Did you just that all you had on you? Would uh, color it in Just my or? pen, just my my regular big <laughs> pen. That's all. I didn't have I didn't Maybe have a sharpie blue, on I me. <laughs> I should have had a sharpie. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, that is, you know, a big deal for him. And you know, he's a guy. Obviously, he won a lot of races on the tour, uh, especially like you said, Kevin, in the in the two thousands, and not so much lately. And it did. I wonder, like, how many do we think he ends up with? Like, you know, if we had to pick a number. Where do you think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he's got some years left, but, you know, where, where do we think, you know, people in the future looking back on Summer Nationals history, uh, you know, where's uh, Shannon Babb going to be on the, the wins list? Does he have many more left in him? What, a, what do you think, Todd? Uh, yeah, it's funny. Me at Joliet, I was in his holler interviewing him about some stuff, and then we – and then both both he and I kind of like the old the old grizzled veterans of the series were kind of talking about you know the old days and the way this the series had changed and and he was kind of saying that you know he, he enjoys running a few of them but but you know he said once he kind of got off the everyday thing when he was racing them and, and which I guess has been six or seven years you know he was kind of done with that now he still enjoys going to the close by ones and the ones where he runs well but. Um, so I, I think we'll still see him for a while. I, I don't know what, whether he's the kind of guy that's going to race, uh, you know, into the Moyer years, uh, up into his sixties. I, I doubt that. Uh, but I, I think we'll still see him win some more. You know, he, there is something Bab is not the Bab of old. And I guess every driver kind of goes through that, but he used to be, um, you know, much, kind of much more aggressive and up on the cushion and just pounding and stuff. And of course, now he's in a Bloomquist car, which is a little, little different style and whatever. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see him win some more, but it's, uh, but maybe at his, of his own choosing and maybe, uh, maybe, you know, here and there instead of, uh, uh, those streaks of five or six in a row that he used to rip off, uh, unbelievably back in the day. Yeah. It'll be, it'd be interesting to see, uh, how he kind of, 
you know, closes out his career, obviously, over the next, you know, however many years. It could be, you know, 20 more years. I, I don't know. But, you know, as we're at the same time he's hitting 100, Billy Moyer's retiring, we, we assume, you know. And so it could be uh, just interesting to see how that kind of tells off there. But uh, I did think it'd be interesting uh, in, in uh, kind of honor of Shannon Babb getting his 100th win. Perhaps we could uh, share some some memories we have of covering him on the tour, whether it be, a, you know, one of his wins or maybe a dramatic moment or something uh you know specifically that that we can remember of, of him throughout the tour and uh, uh there so uh, robert what what do you got anything stand out to you when you think of shannon babb on the summer nationals and, and your time covering or, or following it anything stand out to you as uh particularly memorable for him uh well, you know i've covered probably five or six seasons of the uh maybe more maybe closer to seven seasons of the summer nationals uh hit and miss over the years and you know, my first trip to Fairbury though was in was in 2017, uh, a race that that Bab won, and I think that was his 92nd career win at the time. And you know, all the Illinois guys, especially people we work with, you know, had all uh, talked up Fairbury, and we're all, uh, you know, had I'd never been there, and being from the South, they had all talked it up and how it's the best racetrack in America, blah blah blah. And so, I, I go there. And it's literally one of the worst races that uh, that maybe Fairbury's ever produced. I mean, it was locked down, and and Bab won from Bab led all fifty laps, and and it was rubbered up. And of course, I got the blame for being such a crappy race, being my first time there, and all. Um, but I, I remember that he led all fifty laps from from like fourth. Uh, he, he took the lead like right away, and. Um, uh, I think Dennis Herb ran second, chased him and chased him, but uh, he just couldn't couldn't catch him. And uh, after that, uh, after that race, Shannon said that uh, that he that they you know gone out and farmed the track just a little bit, uh, but and he's not really good and and kind of that the the stop and go conditions aren't really his forte. Uh, to to paraphrase, uh, and then fast forward to twenty twenty one. I'm back at Fairbury, uh, and I watch uh, Shannon win his 99th career uh, summer nationals race, and he took the lead by absolutely committing himself to the bottom of the racetrack. You know, he is running right down around the bottom, and he takes the lead uh, midway. And he, I think, he even remarked that uh, his longtime sponsor uh, Ed Petrov was would probably been mad at him for staying down there so long. So I think that just kind of uh, those two events that I've seen at Fairbury, one not very good that he won and, and one excellent race really that he won, um, I think just kind of shows how the trajectory of his career later uh, ha- has gone in terms of kind of what Todd said. He's not the same aggressive racer. He's in the Bloomquist car and, uh, and and I just think that that's very interesting to see how he's transitioned over the last five six years into this this driver who's very uh, content to run just a few races and content to take what what uh, is right there in front of him. Uh, so those are two races that stand out just to me just because of uh, of their just polar opposites about how they happened and and one was in a rocket one was in a Bloomquist and and just different the differences and I think that's that's really neat. To, to kind of show how how Bab's career trajectory is is going right now. Yeah, he certainly uh, changed a lot about his driving style, his his approach 
to to when and where he races and and how he races and everything. But uh, Todd, speaking of his career trajectory, I looked. I think was it 1999 he won his first series race. I think if I'm not mistaken, looking at the history page there, did did you happen to be at that? Do you do you know or do you remember? <laughs> I, I, I I was there, and uh, it's funny, you know. Yeah, you expect to look back on it and be some momentous thing or whatever, but you know, it's relevant. Although it's a little bit of a changing of the guard. Rick Auckland ran second, and for the previous three or four years, Auckland had really dominated the series. Um, interestingly, for Bab, it was his really his first win that year. You know, he'd went to Dunbenson the year before, and you know, just kind of not really done that well. So he was just kind of getting his team back together in Illinois uh, when he won that first race uh, at Hobstad. But it was, uh, um, I, I don't know, I, I was kind of a, a, a bab aficionado. I'd watched him when he was very young. So it didn't seem like that new or big of a deal back then. It was a little more expected. Um, I do, but that is, a, that was one of the ones I was going to mention, his first win. You know, some of those, those in 2005, I remember him winning a bunch of those. Man, those all ran together because he would just, you know, rip off so many in a row. But interestingly, the the ones I do remember that he lost to before he won any, um, I, and with a little bit of a technicality, you know, that first one in 97 when he, he jumped into Virgil Bilbrey's car and comes from the tail and wins, however, ends up weighing light, and Ed Bauman inherits the victory. And that was, you know, the kind of... Now, I guess an upset, but it was bigger an upset because he was in this completely unproven car. And it was maybe the most dramatic summer nationals race I've ever seen. Maybe the most dramatic race I've seen of any any race. Uh, but funny, the next year, um, actually the Herald Review at Making got delayed and it became part of the UMP Outlaw National. So it's not officially a summer nationals race like it would have been had it been run when it was... Um, before it got rained out. But in this one, Bab again is leading all the way to the end with like five laps to go. He's trying to lap a guy and he bumps into him and spins out. And sure enough, Ed Bauman wins again. So Ed Bauman becomes a two-time Herald and Review winner by and large because of, you know, the fates, the fates that uh, struck Shannon Bab. So it's funny, he kind of like nearly won two, and he now is the, I guess, the winningest Herald and Review winner with five races. But uh, it's funny, those two that he lost are very much in my mind. Uh, and it's funny to think now that he hadn't even won a Summer Nationals race at that point. It wasn't until uh, really two, more than two years, I guess about two years after the first loss that he broke through. But uh, but soon enough, it was an everyday occurrence, it seemed like. Yeah, he definitely, uh, once he got one out of the way and finally there, uh, that counted, he uh, he started reeling them off pretty quickly. Uh, Kevin, I know you're kind of like me and, and you didn't cover the summer nationals a whole lot until more recently because you're you know working for world outlaws and everything uh but does anything maybe uh more recent stand out to you or, or do you have memories of, of further back what, what stands out to you from uh bab's career well, i actually do have a little further back because uh back in 2006 right in the middle of the season and like in june is when i started doing the world of outlaws pr and and uh, th there really wasn't a lot of outlaw races that year so there was some breaks in there so i was i, I actually went out and did some uh, summer nationals and some Mars races and stuff and some other dirt car things uh, to cover them. And, and back right at the beginning of July, I went out uh, and did, oh, like four days of the summer, the last four nights of the summer nationals that year. And it's the first, the first summer nationals race I ever went. It was LaSalle, uh, 
and then on 34 Raceway in Iowa was the next night, and then Quincy on Friday. And then, well, let, let, on an offshoot here, how about this for a scheduling uh, bag? We talk about scheduling now, but Friday was Quincy. Saturday was the finale at Oakshade. That's 500 miles. I just looked it up. 500 <laughs> miles, eight-hour drive for the finale of the Summer Nationals. You talk about – That's child's you know, play. Guys, child's play. <laughs> well, it's, it's just the grueling part. You've, you've been running for a month here now, and – and now you got to go 500 miles to go to the finale at Oakshade. I mean, that one, that, I just looked at that and I'm like, man, I can't, that was a long, I mean, what, what a finish there that was. But, but anyway, I, I go to these races and, and man, introduction to Shannon Babb right off the bat, because uh, he, he won three of the four, probably would have, he could have won all four uh, on Friday at, at Quincy was the only one he didn't win. Uh, and I look back at my story, I wrote that night and he, and he, he was, would have won that race probably if he didn't break. Um, so I, I just got a real, I got to experience the right off, right. The first time I go to the summer nationals, I'm seeing, uh, the, how good he is and how much he gets on a roll. And, and, uh, he clinched the championship, obviously that week, he won 13 races that year as the second most he won in a season. And, uh, and, and now looking back to that, that 34 raceway race on uh, the Thursday night, which, uh, Bab won, that was that was his 50th career win. So that was a milestone. I got this hundredth. Uh, and I, I didn't know it at the time because back in 2006, dirt on dirt did not exist yet. So there wasn't that history page to go look up uh, how many wins a guy has in the summer nationals. So I did, I was, I was doing PR that I didn't even know how many wins everybody had with the summer nationals at that point. So I didn't even mention that it was the 50th win. Uh, so thanks to Dirt on Dirt, now we have more, a little more historic uh, recollections here of uh, of how many we can go back into the history books and know how many wins a guy has. So I like that. So, but it, I look back now and it was his 50th win, so I thought that was pretty cool. You know, to kind of put that season in perspective there that that uh, Kevin's talking about. You know, Bobby Pierce has 35 career Summer Nationals wins now in 05 and 06. Bab has a combined 29 wins in those two seasons alone. I mean, he was clearly dominant during that stretch. I mean, it was just incredible how, you know, how good he was. Uh, when you win 14 uh, races in one season and 15 in another just on one tour, that that's just pure dominance. So that, that kind of shows, you know, how dominant he's been over the years. Uh, and how far others have to go, really, to catch him. Uh, and on a side note, uh, I saw on his Facebook page that the 100-win T-shirts are ready. They're available. So if you, if you want to <laughs> go and, and commemorate uh, Shannon Babb's 100th career Dirt Car Summer Nationals victory, go to his Facebook page, follow the links, whatever, and, and uh, get, you a, get you a T-shirt and, and celebrate Shannon Babb's Summer Nationals career there. there. Todd, you got yours ordered yet? <laughs> no, but I'll I'll get one in. I'm 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 waiting for the model that has Kevin's writing on it. You know, that's the one I'm <laughs> Kevin's little son. <laughs> I, I was gonna mention back in 05 and 06. I think it was 05 primarily. It was it, it was funny. There was some scuttlebutt, and I can't remember exactly how it turned out. And and I I didn't look up to see if I'd written what I'd written about it or whatever. But I remember there was a big thing when Bab was winning every night. You know, when somebody wins all the time, everybody gets a little sick of it in a way. I mean, even if everybody does like Shannon Bab, you know, the the competitors. And I remember there was there was some beefing in the pits that 
that sh that I guess that uh, Hoosier from 04 to 05 had like changed their uh, the way they made the LM30, you know, the middle tire back then, and um, and that Shannon somehow had a had a stockpile of the old 30s. Which were supposedly better than the new 30s, and so all these guys were beefing because, and that's why. And Shannon, it's funny. I talked to him about the other day. He won. He's won a, a lot of races on an LM30 right rear, you know. Instead of you know, those races aren't often long enough for that harder 40 to work. And uh, I remember in 05, there'd be a lot of griping about like that, like like Babby kind of cornered the market on that tire and 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 whatever. Yeah, you know, I should have asked him about that the other day, and maybe I will, because um, uh, it was uh, it, it was funny. You know, believe me, on the summer nationals, guys complain about everything. But but I certainly remember remember that one because you know when Shannon, you know, because you guys have some reason why you can't beat this guy, right? Yeah, there's always always got to be a reason, and uh, it's funny that we're talking about tires and supply, and not that it was a shortage back then, but it's not a t not too new of a topic, uh, you know, this season, even though it seems uh, somewhat new. But I'll say, uh, talking about memories of Shannon Babb, kind of the opposite of what Kevin experienced when he first uh, went out and covered the Summer Nationals and Babb was winning right away. Uh, my first time covering the Summer Nationals was 2011, uh, and Babb, I was, you know, I'd always heard about Shannon Babb and knew that he kind of was dominant on the tour and the, you know, uh, the, the you know, he was going to run the whole series that year and, um, you know, expected to be the championship favorite most likely. Uh, and then he just struggles right out the gate. And uh, I think, uh, I think it was Scott James jumped out to an early point lead and things were so bad for, for Babb that I think I want to say at Fayette County, it was like the fourth or fifth race. He just spun out all on his own. And uh, I think he ended up way in the back that night. Maybe he came back and finished mid pack or something. And so you're thinking like, He's just, he's, I don't say it, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like, I was really thinking he was washed up at that point, you know, <laughs> and like, there's uh, all this talk about Shannon Babb and I come and watch and he's just, you know, I was disappointed. Of course, then he goes, I believe it was, it was Michigan. It was I-96. He, uh, he finally gets, um, you know, back on track, wins there and then wins the next race at, at Lincoln Park. Uh, there in Indiana, and I think he goes on to win something like ten races uh, late in the seat, late in the year. He got rolling and won like seven in a row, I believe, and of course ended up uh, winning the uh, the championship that year. So, um, kind of, you know, uh, my first impressions. Not that it was my first impression of Shannon Babb. I, you know, I knew of him, seen him other races, but on the Summer National specifically, my first impression of him was a little disappointing. But he has more than more than made up for it that season, and even since then has uh, has more than made up for it. So, uh, it's pretty cool to see that him get that hundredth win. Um, just kind of the accomplishment and what he's meant to the tour and uh, what he's represented for the tour. So um, definitely a, a, a historic moment. Um, and I think that a lot of people enjoyed and was happy to see. Okay. So uh, switching gears a little bit, I think uh, before we, before we start wrapping this thing up, one thing we, we I would like to talk about, I know it's kind of stood out to some of us was uh, the world of outlaws double header at Jackson motorplex up there in Minnesota, a horse, um, not a couple more Illinois drivers, uh, uh, Dennis Herb Jr. getting the big win on Saturday, $20,000. I think his big, highest paying win, I want to say in like five years. So a big win for him. And then uh, Frank Hagenash Jr. winning on Friday, $10,000, the, the weekend opener, his second World of Outlaws uh, victory. Uh, big win for them. Um, but the thing that stood out to me, unfortunately, was, was the car count. Um, you know, I don't like to put too much stock into car counts. But, you know, when you see a 20000 to win race, draw 16 cars, it does kind of, raise some eyebrows so uh, i was wondering maybe if you guys thought there might be some cause for concern there when you see uh you know see that number and uh, uh kevin i know you know you worked on the for the world of outlaws for a number of years 
kind of what what is that you know how does a series take that whenever you see that a big race like that um come up in that that low of a car count what's the uh the disappointment level there for the for the series yeah yeah you don't want to see that because it's only a a few times that especially when you get into the teens you want to have at least in the 20s uh, sometimes it's tough when you go to a place like jackson it's uh you're that they don't run late models it's out of late late model territory uh, no super late models uh, especially and and so it's going to be tough you know it's going to be tough and and i think after you go there and you get that that few cars uh you're going to be thinking if you're with the racing with the series you're gonna be like well what could we have done to get more i mean what should we have done should we have rounded up this guy should we have offered uh free entries for for guys should we, i mean we we really gotta obviously something's got to be done to be able to drum up uh more entries for that race um and 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 it takes a little you know a little soul searching there i think because you, you don't want that to become a a regular thing and, and it, it's i don't think it was just because uh it, it wasn't a, a signal of like man there's not just there's not race cars out here and people aren't going to be going to race and that world of outlaws are in trouble or something because there's only six you know 18 the first and 16 the second it's it's really uh, uh the product of uh, of where you're racing and and I, I know like when i was with the outlaws before there used to, i don't know if they still do it now but there used to be a little extra pool of uh of uh, show up money for like that kind of trip for like that northern trip that's the start with like a jackson now they're going up to uh to superior wisconsin and they go up to uh also to grand forks north Dakota. you know that that northern that great northern tour uh, the, or the wild west tour they would call that all the time and and then there would be like the times when the the tour would go up to like canada and quebec and, and ontario and in new york uh not a late model area and uh there would just be, I wouldn't, they, the guys wouldn't be offered the show up money that their tour regulars get, but you needed to be able to make sure, hey, there's going to be uh, six, seven other guys that will go around with the drop with the regulars. Uh, and I mean, guys like Dan Stone would always be when they, they offered them, uh, you know, this is, you're going to get this $1,000 if you do all five races or something like that. Uh, and, and that's really, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I haven't heard that that uh, series do that anymore. Uh, but it might be something that really needs to be kind of looked at to to try to make sure that uh, the you can pad that field a little bit so it's not going to dip into the teens. Yeah, it's got to give some got some incentive for, to go out there and and the, even the local guys some incentive to uh, to to come out and race. Um, you know, uh, Robert, what do you what do you think? I know you kind of keep an eye on the car counts and kind of the health of the sport. Is is it cause for concern when you when you see that? Because it's not in a vacuum. There's been other um, you know events with a little bit lower car count perhaps than expected. It's, it's regional tours uh, aren't some of them are, are having decent car counts, but there's some that are, are virtually not having B mains anymore. Um, you know, is there any cause for concern in your mind or just kind of a, a trend? Um, I, you know, I don't think that I'm concerned just yet. I, you know, I think that, um, I was surprised, I guess, just to see only 16 cars at a world of outlaws race, uh, not necessarily concerned because like Kevin said, I think it's just kind of a, it's kind of a product of your environment where you're in a situation where, uh, there just aren't a ton of late model cars. And if you're just trying to get to the twenties, you know, you're four cars away from, from that at that particular race to get to 20. Uh, and the, the economy itself could easily affect four drivers who decided not to compete in that race this year easily, uh, whether it be the tire situation or whether it be, uh, fuel is through the roof right now, uh, whether it be 
uh, inability to get certain parts to make repairs from an incident that happened the week before or two days before or whatever. Uh, so I think we're kind of in, a, in an economy that uh, is not conducive to traveling long, long distance unless, unless you're guaranteed uh, to get a lot of money. Um, and, you know, but I don't think it's, so I think that that particular race was definitely, uh, isolated in terms of, of just location. But as far as the sport goes, I was at a track in Alabama this past weekend, racing a crate late model with my brother, and there were only six cars there. So, um, you know, and, and like you'd mentioned earlier, very few regional races uh, having B mains. You're looking at 18 to 24, 25 cars being tops uh, at a lot of these races. So, um, so I, you know, I just think that right now it's kind of a product of the economy. I think it goes in, in cycles, and I think we'll cycle back through it. Um, you know, I'm not not trying to be political or anything, but it, it might we might cycle through it next year. We might cycle through it the next election period. It, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, matter when. I just think that we will cycle back through it. Um, and I also also think that, uh, you know, with these regional tours right now, maybe not this past weekend because of all the rainouts and stuff, but, man, there's, there's a lot of races scheduled right now. And when you, have, when you have all these series scheduling races, you know, look at, I'm not sure if they had a race this past weekend or not, because I was actually on, on vacation. But when you look at uh, the, the, um, the Ironman series, uh, which was a kind of a very low key regional series that uh, ran a lot of co-sanctioned races with Ray Cook's um, Schaefer's trio of Schaefer's tours, who now has really branched out into their own completely own entity with two separate divisions. Uh, there's just a lot of racing out there right now. And, and I think it spreads things kind of thin and you get to this time of year, it's hot and people start kind of taking a break. I mean, I'm working here with, with dirt on dirt. And yet I looked and, and my brother and I have raced a dozen times this year. That's, that's incredible. That's an incredible amount of races for me to go out and do, I know it's not 50 like ever, like these, you know, regional guys or, or national guys, but for me with my work schedule and to be able to go out and race a dozen times, that's a lot of racing. So, uh, you know, there's going to be some races where people were like, Oh, how come, especially like at duck river where we've gone six or seven times, how come those guys didn't come this week? Well, it's because I'm, I have other commitments because I'm about to go out on the summer nationals and race uh, or cover races. Uh, and so, well, how come he's not here this week? Well, because I'm, I'm down covering Ray Cook's races, the Southern nationals. So, you know, people have a lot of stuff going on in the summertime. And so, uh, you know, it's a long answer for you. Sorry, but I just don't think that it's, uh, it's something to get worried about just at the moment. Hey, so, so Robert's not worried. Uh, Todd, I know you've, you've been around the sport a long time and covered a lot and seen a lot of changes. Uh, you know, you, any worry for you or are we, we all good? I mean, I think it's definitely cyclical, and I think Robert makes a good point. There are a million reasons why people do or don't go to races, because I know some sometimes fans sit there and say, oh, I can't believe so-and-so's not here, and 
you know, he's dodging the competition or whatever it is. Well, maybe, you know, his wife was out of town and had to do, you know, what whatever it is, or they were on vacation, you know. I mean, there's lots of other things, you know, travel. There's lots of other races. You know, you have lots of other choices to go to. Um, I think my point with the World of Outlaws race is, to me, it seems uh, uh, you're competing against yourself to run that Tri-State Late Model Series against the World of Outlaws or on the same card as them. And they... I guess they had about the same amount of cars, maybe a few or more, uh, or a few or less. But they 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 could have should have just run with the world of outlaws. It seems like to me. And I know outside of a handful of those guys, you know, they're not going to run up front or have a chance really run up front because they have spec motors and some limited uh, limits. But uh, to me, I, I don't think I think if you wouldn't have told anybody anything was going on, and all those guys just would have registered under the world of outlaws race and they would have had a race and the car count would have been 28. I don't think we would be sitting here having a discussion about, Oh, can you believe the outlaws had 12 guys that did not belong? You know, I don't think there would have been, I think there would have been less of a, you know, issue about that than, than that number that jumps out at you is that 16 number. Um, and you know, I, yeah, to me, and that's that's uh, that's one of my well-worn tropes for the sport is that we have way we have all these division these slivers of divisions separating cars. Uh, like I saw, for instance, Austin Horton this weekend. Oh, he he didn't have his limited late model ready, ready, but he had his crate late model ready. So he went to Sonoma just hoping to kind of stay in the points chase. Well, he well he won the limited late model race. So the, it begs the question. Why do if he can go win in his great late model in the limited late model division, clearly he's competitive. Uh, why is it there just one division of those guys? And not only that, they have like another 602 crate division. You know, we uh, I, th I think splitting up late models does us no favors when we're you know dealing with this car count issue. Um, and you know, that's that's uh, that's a topic for another day, maybe, but. But but that's one of my issues with, uh, you know, you know, somebody looks at a track like Talladega. Oh, what a disappointment. They only had nine super late models. Yeah, well, then they had 12 604 crates. They had 11 602 crates and they had 17 limited late models. Well, to me, it doesn't take a genius to think, wow, it'd be pretty cool if we had 140 car field of cars, you know, and I know everything's not equal, but but it is not the difference that everybody thinks it is. Uh, you know, when you come up with Austin, what Austin Horton did and other things. And, you know, uh, again, uh, for another day, but that's, uh, but that's one of my takes on it. Certainly we could have a whole nother discussion on, uh, you know, what, what the reason for not having so many late model divisions, but I will say you look at what Jackson Motorplex did there and they had, they had roughly 30 late models on the grounds for that event between this, the late uh, world of outlaws and the, uh, tri-state series race there. And they, if, if that had been one late model uh, World of Outlaws race and those guys that showed up for the undercard race had, you know, were running with late models, what was it, 1,000 to start Friday and 1,200 to start Saturday? So you're having to pay those guys just for showing up and starting the race a lot more than you they ended up paying them for running a, you know, a 1,000 to win race Friday and under the, on the undercard and a 1,500 to win race Saturday. Yet they probably paid about the same amount in, in uh, entry uh, – uh, 
pit passes, you know, for, for themselves, for their crew members, you know, if they bought something from the hot dog stand and all that. So maybe even though we all sitting, we're sitting here talking today about, you know, it was only 16 cars, you know, maybe that was a smart move (laughs) as far as it, uh, financially to uh, not have to pay those guys as much, I guess. I I don't know. But, um, but anyway, certainly some, uh, interesting aspect there and something to keep an eye on with the car counts. Um, uh, hopefully it's not a, not an issue and, and, uh, you know, the sport keeps chugging on and, and growing and being successful. As far as uh, our podcast, I think it's going to about do it for today's episode. We will uh, finish up as we always finish up with our uh, one more thing segment where we go around and each uh, mention one thing that stood out to us from the previous week, whether a result or a news item. I'll start and uh, give a shout out to Dalton Cook, the uh, Columbus, Georgia driver, got, I believe, only his second Super late model win. I know it was his first on the uh, the Mississippi State Championship Challenge Series there at Why Not Motorsports Park on Saturday. And the reason that one stood out to me is it was kind of a su- surprise win because, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, the regional tours being down a little bit, perhaps in competition, some of them uh, being spread thin. But that was a stout field uh, for that area on Saturday with uh, Thra- uh, Chad Thrash was there. Uh, both the Rickmans were there. Michael Arnold, who just I think ran second in a Lucas Oil race at at, at uh, uh, Magnolia a few weeks ago, um, that was a tough field, and Dalton Cook kind of surprised them all, uh, and uh, and really was the dominant car there in the feature. So uh, a good run for him, uh, a guy that works hard, does a lot of racing, and uh, good to see him getting uh, getting a win this this past week. Uh, well, you Todd, what you got for uh, one more thing? Uh, I like that the the state line Erie circuit gets a little note noteworthy uh weekend here with uh, uh running 6500 to win at state line and 6000 to win at Erie on on uh, on Saturday and Sunday uh, that that's kind of like an old not everybody likes all those tracks and and whatever but that corner of the world has uh, produced some good racers over the years and uh it's good to see them get a get a kind of a classic weekend and they ought to draw pretty good and we'll uh, see if Dave Hess can uh, rip off two in a row or uh, Max Blair might uh, steal one of those from him we'll we'll see how that turns out but uh I like the old state line Erie circuit it's kind of a classic uh you know a lot of history and legacy of uh dirt racing there so I like to like when they get the the spotlight on them there you go. It's definitely uh, kind of a, been a back-and-forth rivalry this year between Hess and, and Max Blair, so it be interesting to watch, see who comes out on top there. Robert, what do you got for one more thing? Uh, I just want to uh, just send condolences out to uh, the Buddy Smith family over there in uh, uh, North Carolina. Uh, probably a lot of people outside of that area haven't heard of, of Buddy Smith, but uh, he was a, a a really good racer in that area who I got to see race a couple of times, uh, several years ago, years, years, years ago. Uh, he was, uh, you know, dominant in, in the area right around, uh, you know, the, that Charlotte area and those little racetracks and, and here and there, you know, he was uh, inducted into the Cherokee Speedway Hall of Fame. He passed away. He was 65. Uh, I think, uh, Smith, you know, had close to 500 wins in his career. And I, I just remember him as being this, this little, just like kind of gruff, but funny kind of character who, uh, uh, who, you know, I just think uh, of, of those kind of characters are, are neat for our sport, you know, and when I got to, to meet him uh, some 25 years ago or whatever. So condolences to that family. And uh, he was a really good racer over there in that area. Yeah, certainly. Uh, thoughts go out to, uh, to to those folks over there. Uh, Kevin, what do you got for one more thing? 
Uh, a little news item that came out yesterday was uh, Rum Runner Racing, uh, you know, the Coulter family racing team. Uh, it's had Matthew Nance running for him, and he still is running for him. But uh, Cody Overton, the younger brother of Brandon Overton, is going to make his super late model debut uh, beginning this weekend with the so Southern Nationals races and, and run all the Southern Nationals races with uh, Rum Runner, which his brother actually drove for two years ago, which is another little little side note. Uh, it's uh, Cody's like the he's he's been with his brother, gone to a lot of races and now the last few years. He's uh, been rolling up some good numbers with uh, with crate late model wins uh, in the southeast. So uh, it'll be cool to see him uh, getting a super late mile, see what he can do. And I mean, he's got a little bit. He's a he's an Overton, but he's got a little different. Uh, he's a little different personality than Brandon. You know, he's more. Uh, you know, like the, you know, he, I don't know, they, he, they call him little sexy cause you know, for, but, but I also think that he's uh he's more of the, like, you know, those the wild, not, I'm not a wild man, but you know, just that kind of personality where he's a little, a little crazier and stuff. And then uh, his brother, I think he makes his brother laugh a lot with the, his, uh, his actions and stuff. So uh, he's definitely a, a, a guy to, to keep an eye on this uh, during the summer na Southern nationals and, Hopefully he uh, he can make some have some good runs there and uh, maybe he can he can inch his way up to his uh, his brother status. Yeah, it certainly will be uh, interesting to watch to see uh, how the uh, younger Overton fares as he steps into the super late models. Uh, he can emerge from his brother's shadow there a little bit. But uh, anyway, I think that's uh, going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we will uh, look forward to uh, being back here to uh, discuss it all again next week. Have a great week.